0: Okay, well, um, so I'm Chris Scruggs, and uh, I'm going to be the primary teacher for about eight weeks. Uh, There are going to be others stepping in from time to time that are in the room, uh, and so uh, you're not going to have to listen to one boring speaker all the way time through. Um, So you've each been given, and if you haven't, you can get a copy of this study guide I want to tell you how it works because the class is going to be on the study guide every week but if you open it up you will see that after a short introduction uh, on page uh, 8 it says day one Sunday that might be today (laughs) okay If every day you read one proverb and read one page, uh, you have done the work for this class. On the facing page there are two questions. I love to talk about the questions. I wrote this study myself, but my assistant, or kind of the lady that ran part of our education program, named Leslie, did not think I was a good question writer. So she wrote a second question uh, to go with the study, and I want to tell you having read her questions and my questions, I actually agree with Leslie McKinney that she's the better question writer. So the second question is usually the better question. Uh, And so I think if you uh, go through and answer the questions, uh, you will be, quotes, prepared for class. Of course, you don't have to read the, the lesson and prepare for class, but you'll get more out of it if you do. Okay. And that's all you have to do. Uh, Now I'm going to tell you about uh, the book. Um, The book has 16 chapters in it. And we did this originally in my home church. It was the fall. It was stewardship season. We had eight weeks before the Advent sermon series. So the study had to act last eight weeks. But people have spent their entire lives studying Proverbs. So that eight weeks is not sufficient. Secondly, because we were a Christian church and because we had many people that didn't want to spend eight weeks in the Old Testament, you'll see that almost every week we spend some time in the New Testament connecting the dots between Old Testament wisdom and the revelation of Christ. So as you go through it, you'll kind of see uh, we're just breaking the ground. Now, a little bit about me. I came to Christ in a small group. Kathy was in the small group. We're going to have a little anniversary celebration in March about this small group in Houston in 1977. I was an extremely young and unbelievably foolish young man. And I uh, began uh, to become a Christian. And within a very short period of time, uh, I was reading in a, a decision magazine by Billy Graham, an article about Billy Graham And he said uh, that he read a chapter of Proverbs every day. And I thought, well, that's a good idea. I'll read a chapter of Proverbs every day. And that was about 19, probably the fall of 1977. And literally every day since that day, I have read a chapter of Proverbs. So I'm going to give you your second assignment should you choose to do so. Tomorrow morning is the 14th, that would be Valentine's Day, uh, and uh, if you would like to, pick up and add to your little spiritual discipline, reading one chapter of Proverbs every day. I think you will find, I have about 15 Bibles in my, that I've read since then, but if you just look, I'll just open it to a page, every Proverbs chapter in every Bible I own is unreadable by the time I'm finished with that Bible. Uh, And uh, really, I can't even figure out what I'm talking about. I've got so many notes in it. Um, But you'll find over time that reading a chapter a day helps you. Now, I want to say one last thing because I get confused too. When you get to the last part of the book, a lot of these Proverbs are disconnected. Just find one you like and stick with that. Don't try to read the whole thing or try to memorize the whole thing. You can't possibly do it. Tomorrow, I'll just give you an example. Uh, Tomorrow is the 14th day of the month. It happens to be an important chapter to me. I like the first nine better than I like the rest of the book. Uh, But uh, one day I was in a really big legal problem. A really big legal problem. I practiced law for 14 years. I was dealing with some extremely bad people uh, who could either harm you, And I happened to just be reading through the daily chapter and the proverb came out from chapter 14, there is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the way thereof leadeth unto death. Now there's a warning. Uh, And perhaps for the next year and a half, that proverb guided me in a series of decisions that I had to make. And that proverb was the pole star of my Success in this little endeavor I was in, and to get away from a situation I really didn't want to be in anymore. Uh, so that you'll find that there are days you read Proverbs and you think, There's nothing here for me. And then there's that day you're struggling with a problem, and you read a proverb, and you think, This is the very Word of God to me. This is it. Uh, so I want to stop and we look at the board, because here's what I'm trying to do for you and what we're all trying to do for you in the series. Um, this is you sorry about that uh, This is the Bible, and this is the world or your life. Often we study the Bible, and when we study the Bible, this is the way we think of it. It's me studying the Bible, and it's coming back to me, right? I'm learning about the Word of God, but that's not why we study the Bible. We study the Bible so that we may look through the Bible and its teachings into the world, into our daily lives, into the decisions we have to make so that it becomes a tool. The Bible is a tool. It's a mental tool that God has given to us so that we can see the world more clearly. That is the way God sees the world, okay? And so that we may react to that world the way God would have us react to the world. Does that make sense to everybody? Um, And I'm an old guy now, and I do not think I'm ever going to become completely wise, so I've kind of given up on that part of my endeavor. But uh, what I think I've learned is that if every day we just sort of do the work of that day, and we just take whatever God gives us for that day out of His Word, and we apply it however we can that day. Over time, it makes a huge difference. Does that make sense to everybody? It kind of makes sense to everybody. Um, so I just want to encourage you uh, to do this one little study every day, one little Bible verse that will guide you for the day and look for opportunities. Now, I want to tell you about the class. How is this class going to work uh, in the next few weeks? Because it's going to work a little bit differently than we have sometimes done. Uh, I've done this with church staffs, I've done this with Bible studies, I've done this with a lot of different groups, but every week I'm going to ask you guys the same question when the class begins, okay? Every week. So you can just go through your week and count on it that this is the question the question is where did you see god at work this week where did you see god at work this week now here's what i think and i was a layman for 14 years so i kind of got it down it is really easy to go through life and God is doing things all around you, but you're too busy cleaning the kitchen or drafting the next pleading or solving the next accounting problem or whatever it is you do in life. And so you just don't even know God is at work because you just, it just went right over your head. But what I have found is, if, I just, if you know that coming to class next Sunday, Chris is going to ask this question, I need an answer. That all of a sudden, you'll see it. You'll see it. Now, of course, if everyone answers the question every week, we will never study Proverbs at all, so you don't have to share with us every week what you have seen, but I'm going to ask the question, and I hope at least one or two people will be able to give us the answer to the question, where did you see God at work this week? And for those of you who think this is stupid, I think what you'll find is that um, you'll see God at work when you're looking. That... Eight weeks from now, you'll see God at work a lot more than you did eight weeks previously. Uh, and that, I think, helps all of us to be alert to opportunities God puts in our path uh, to serve Him. And there's a second question. The second question I'll ask every week, I'm it every week, is, is there any question you had from today's readings? Because... Part of this is if there is something that doesn't make sense to you, if there's something you don't agree with, if if there's something you think we got wrong, well, ask, okay? Uh, Because this is your chance to help the class understand what troubles you about this. And who knows, you may have seen something that I never saw or a problem I never saw. So uh, that will be a grace to all of us, including me. So that's the second question every week. And then we'll probably have a short lesson after we kind of deal with that. And the lesson itself will go s- pretty much straight through the study for the week. Uh, yes, ma'am. Are you, are any questions you have from today's reading? Right? Uh, well, mean, like, the, the week's week? Okay, I just want to make yeah. sure. Yeah, the okay. week's lead. Right, the week. Sorry, thank you for that. I thought I might have gotten that wrong. Does anybody have any other questions about that? So I, I thought I would just give you an introduction uh, to what we're doing. Um, in the Hebrew Bible there are really three parts there's the law there are the prophets and there is the writings okay now the writings are where you find Proverbs Ecclesiastes Song of Solomon and the wisdom literature and it, those of you who buy the book are going to find out that I put Daniel in the book on wisdom because in the Jewish Bible it is not found in the prophets it's found in the writings where actually I think it belongs uh, because what is Daniel? What is Daniel? He's a wise man! That's exactly right because he's a wise man and I think the Jews put Daniel in their Bible Not because they thought it was a prophecy of the end of the world, but because here is one of the greatest wise men in all of Israel. And so we're going to study what he does when he gets to be a leader in the Babylonian kingdom. And how he reacted to the challenges of life as a person of faith. So you'll find that out. Uh, We're we're not going to study much of Daniel. I think there's one one day on it. But uh, basically we're going to look at Proverbs We're going to look at Ecclesiastes because the wisdom writers know that wisdom doesn't always bring a blessing. So let's start with that principle. What is the fundamental insight? Those of you who have read Proverbs, what is the fundamental insight that drifts through the book? Anybody know? The fundamental insight is if you do this, if you act wisely, you will be blessed. And you'll become rich and you'll be healthy and you'll have success in your family life and in your marriage. Uh, You'll get blessings from God. But what do we all know? What do we all know? Doesn't always work that way, right? We all know that. We all know that. And so Ecclesiastes is all about the limits of wisdom. It's all about, yes. By the end, you'll see the author, yes, we need to be wise, but yes, it has its limits. So I've already told you one of the principles is, one of the basic principles you will see over and over again as you read the book is the righteous will be blessed. So what in the heck is Job doing in our Bible? Who's Job? He is not just righteous. What is he? He he is the most righteous. He's the greatest guy that ever lived. He is completely honest, completely truthful, completely faithful to his wife. He's great. And what happens to Job? (laughs) Everything that can happen to you and me happens to Job, right? So what's the message of Job? The message of Job is, faithfulness isn't bulletproof. Thank you, that was great. Faith doesn't bulletproof us from suffering. (laughs) It doesn't bulletproof us from undeserved suffering. Okay, and the whole book of Job is a discussion of why it is that God's purposes in our lives are, in the end, inscrutable. We'll get to that. In the end, Job ends with, God's saying, I'm not really telling you how I run the universe, Job. <laughs> You'll just have to worship me. Okay, so um, that's the wisdom school, the writings. Solomon, who is Solomon? <laughs> king of Israel? What kind of a king is he? Wise. He's the wisest king of Israel. And we kind of know, we know from this book and we know a little bit from history, That Solomon was what we might call the patron of the wisdom school. They have the law, the prophets, and the writings. And there was a school of wise men in Israel. Men that collected prophets. They advised the kings. They taught school. They had wisdom. And Solomon is the patron of that movement in Israel's history. He's the guy who is the primary motivator and the great example of wisdom, which I think we'll get to that next week, but this is a very interesting thing that they chose that. Uh, So Solomon, we think, we know from the book, Solomon collects Proverbs, and the book itself contains more than one collection of Proverbs. Uh, It begins with the first nine chapters. I've always told you I always kind of hate it when I get to chapter 9, the last verse, because that's my favorite part of the book uh, every month. And then in chapter 10, we get into the Proverbs of Solomon, and we go through various collections of Proverbs. Until the end, there are a couple of sections, auger, whatever, that are, uh, Lemuel, that are from different people, all of which were brought together. We don't really know when. Some people think around the time of Hezekiah. Uh, some people think during the Babylonian captivity, uh, but at some point the book of Proverbs was put into the form we have it now as a collection of wisdom from uh, the various um, schools. Now I want to go back to this for just a moment. I want to go back to this for just a moment. Um, here are two Proverbs. There's a chapter in Proverbs that right together put two Proverbs. Proverb 1. Always correct a wise man, or he will think uh, a fool, or he will think himself wise. Proverb two: Never correct a fool, uh, because he will pay no attention to you. Now, does anybody see a problem with these two pieces of advice? <laughs> right. uh, they, so the problem is, is it seems to me they're telling us two different things, and that kind of gets you back to this little diagram here, into what I will call the situational aspect of Proverbs. God has given us this wisdom, but we have to decide how to put it to work, right? So God gave us the wisdom and He gives us the instructions, but we in our daily lives have to figure out what situation we are in and how to put it to work. So for example, uh, there's a proverb that says, The borrower will be the servant of the lender. Has anybody here ever borrowed too much money and had to serve the lender for a while in your business? Anybody ever do that? I've done it. Uh, It's really a miserable experience when you work for the bank and not for yourself, right? Or some private individual you've borrowed money from. Uh, So is that true? Absolutely true? 100% true? It is. So how many of us had mortgages on our house at least at some point in our lives? How many of us had mortgages in our business at least at some point in our lives? So we do have to sometimes borrow money, don't we? So we have to decide whether this particular borrowing is foolish or wise. We have to decide how to put it to work. Kind of get, get that point of it all? Uh, And so we have to decide how to put these proverbs to work. Is this a fool I should correct? Or is this a fool I should just listen to? How many of you have wanted to give your children advice and bitten your tongue? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about you all, but I still have trouble knowing when to bite my tongue and when to talk when it comes to advising children. we all have to sort of decide when we should speak and when we should remain silent. When there's profit to be given and giving out our wisdom and when there's not. And so that's a part of the, what I will call the situational uh, application of Proverbs. We're in real life. Uh, The authors of Proverbs didn't know anything about a national debt of 17 trillion dollars. They didn't know anything about uh, nuclear weapons. They didn't know anything about a lot of the things we face day in and day out. We have to, God has given us enough wisdom to apply these things in our situation, which is not the situation of King Solomon. Now I want to get to the last because I was really glad that we finished the study of the law last week. Uh, because I want to end by giving you a term. It's the only big term I'll ever give you, so this will be good. It's sophio-agapism. For those of you who... Uh, I made it up, by the way. Um, for those of you who don't know Greek, sophia is the word for wisdom, and agape is the word we use for God's love. Now, I ought tell people, God's love is a completely self-giving completely unselfish, love. So this agape isn't like he thinks we're cute. It's that commitment God has made to his creation his universe to sustain it irrespective of its behavior. <laughs> and to sustain our lives I might add irrespective of our behavior. So the, it's love and wisdom together and you will find um, throughout any, the book and anything I'd say I believe that if we capture two verses from 1 John, we have pretty much captured all we need to know about God's character. John tells us God is light, and he tells us that God is love. Okay? That God is a wisdom beyond our wisdom, a wisdom that we can't even hardly fa- we cannot fathom completely. And that God is a completely self-loving God who Loved us enough to send His only begotten Son to die for us on a cross, a terrible death, uh, demonstrating to us that He loves us beyond anything that would be rational. You know, I I love every person in every church we've ever been in, uh, but if the choice came, are you willing to give trammel for them, I'm afraid you all would be in bad shape. Because I probably would not be willing to do that. But God was willing to give everything for us. That's, that's the love. So that uh, when we think about God, if we think of God as an angry judge, or if we think of Him as solely a lawgiver, we're missing the fundamental point that God is love. So I wanna think about this in the context of our study last week and how we bridge it to a study of um, wisdom. Sometimes I think we can fall into the habit as good Christians of thinking of the law as sort of God was sort of like the United States Congress. He got, sat down and he said, I need to make some laws. These people are unorganized, disobedient, terrible citizens. And so I need to give them a few rules that they will not like, uh, but that which, uh, if they follow these rules, uh, at least will have some order in our society and in my universe. And so we get to think of God as sort of a judge who gave us these things, knowing that we wouldn't be happy to follow them, uh, but that it would create some kind of an order that he wanted. Now, that's not the right way to think about it. Because God loved us so much that He realized that, for example, violence and murder was a bad thing and would harm us as much as it harms the one we murder. And so He said, don't do that. And God loves us so much that He knew... That that love a husband and wife have is supposed to mirror the love the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have in all eternity. And that adultery would break that kind of a relationship that he intended for every person to have. And therefore, in love, he gave us this advice, law, rule, commandment, don't do that. So that the law is a reflection of his love. Okay? The law is a reflection of his love. And uh, his wisdom is a a reflection of his love. His wisdom, that light of God, uh, it's a reflection of his love for us. He gives us his wisdom because he loves us enough uh, to give us a few principles that if we follow them, we will have happier lives. It doesn't work all the time. Sometimes third parties enter in that are not motivated by love and hurt us. Uh, But uh, on the whole, uh, if we accept the love of God, uh, He has given us tools that we can use to be successful in life. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to everybody? So with that, I'm gonna stop.